Time now for our scripture reading. It comes from Romans 5, verse 3 through 5. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that the suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope, and hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, church. Hello to those online. Good morning to you, as well as those that will watch this later. Hello to you. Well, it is Advent, which means new sermon series. So excited about that. And uh, this year, of course, with Advent, uh, I don't know if you've needed Advent. I've needed Advent uh, this year. And uh, I don't know what it was, but um, Christmas or Christmas last year, you know, walking through that uh, with what we went through and having to close services. Uh, I have looked forward to Advent so much this year and I'll never take it for granted. Not that I ever did, but I especially won't ever take it for granted ever again that we get to meet together to celebrate Jesus Christ. As we uh, come forward here today, you know, we look at season of Advent. There's so many things to know about Advent and what it means for us. And I thought this year, you know, every year we light candles. Uh, And these candles, of course, are parts of Advent and what we're doing and why we're waiting and what we're focusing on while we wait for Jesus Christ to be born. And of course, uh, Advent, not only to be born and remember that story, but even the second coming of Jesus Christ, that Jesus has promised he's coming back. And so just like the people who waited for Jesus to come when he first came as a babe, in so many ways, we as a people are waiting for Jesus as well to come back at the end of time and to make things right. And so as we celebrate here today, we not only remember the birth of Jesus, but also the coming Jesus when he comes in glory and brings us home. And uh, as you know, every single candle that we light uh, has a little word attached to it. And so I thought it'd be good to sit around and to uh, discuss and think through and just kind of depthen our knowledge and depthen our, our conviction to Jesus Christ through these words. And of course, the word for us and what Jesus' birth means for us here today is the candle of hope. So this sermon series is called This Coming Child, and today specifically refers to hope. As I mentioned, Advent is a time of waiting. It's a time of expectation. It's a time of sitting still, if you will, in some ways. But that's not to say that we're doing nothing. And in fact, in so many ways, doing nothing is the very season of time where God uses it to change our lives, to mold and shape us. And so in Christian heritage, it's really interesting because doing nothing in this time is not what we're doing. We're waiting, but it's not like you're waiting in line at McDonald's doing nothing, right? This is the waiting that happens when you grow a crop. And day after day, you're waiting and you see it kind of growing and changing and developing. It's that kind of waiting, that kind of sitting back and waiting for God to do wonderful things. And so as we're here today, we want to look at this fruit that God's developing in us. One of those fruits that he's developing in us is this idea of hope. Now, I don't know what you think of when you think of hope, but it's often said that many people or people can live without many things, but they can't live an instant without hope. If you think about it, if you knew this was the best day of your life and that every day after this would be worse and worse and worse, doesn't bring you much joy to live, does it? That would make you sad. Yet hope is such a powerful word, such a powerful thing for us to grab hold to. 
Now, of course, when we say hope in our world and just how people use it, and, you know, I hope that this will happen, I hope that that will happen, you know, I hope that, that you know, when I get home today, the kids are going to be perfect little angels and take their nap on time, right? And what we mean by a lot of times we use the word hope is just simply the idea of making a wishful thought, right? Just something that if you could call it into being that you just would say your wish or dream out loud and that you just wish it could come into being. But that's actually not what we mean by hope in Scripture. And uh, that may surprise you a little bit, but hope is actually a little more nuanced than that, a little more detailed than that. And in fact, uh, most of the time when hope is used, when you look throughout Scripture, we, you have this word hope. And sometimes, and very rarely, it can be kind of used in that, the way that we use it in our world. But more times than not, it means something much more in-depth and much more meaningful. It's not just a wish. It's not just, I want this to happen. It's something else. There's a, a, a Strong's Concordance, which is, uh, of course, written many, many years ago. But it basically, what Strong did was he got a hold of all the words in the, in the New Testament. So every Greek word that was used. And he made an exhaustive concordance, right? And then in this concordance, he looked at every single use of the Greek, every single way it was used, every single type of word, and numbered it, how many times it was used in the New Testament. And, uh, and then eventually they also expanded this, not only to be the New Testament, but also the Old Testament when they translated that into Greek too from the original Hebrew and Aramaic. And they went through and they looked at these words and he basically like did a whole entire word study of every single word in the whole entire Bible. And, and we still have that today. And in fact, he did this way before computers and all that different stuff. And so this is actually like when you go into seminary and you learn stuff like Strong is like, like <laughs> Strong's Concordance is like one of the most useful resources you can possibly have and still use to this day, even though uh, so much technology has come forward since then. But Strong went through and he looked at every single word of the Greek, and there's a specific word in Greek for hope. And here's what it is. It's called elpis. Sounds not too big. It's Strong's number 1680, if you ever want to go look it up, the Greek word for this as he numbers his different words. And he gets to this, and here's the definition, what he gives. It's not what you can only think of, a wish or a want that can happen. Here's what it says. It's the expectation of what is certain. Hear the difference? Let me just let, me just let that sink in for a minute. Hope, as the Bible uses it, and every time you read hope, and this really goes for the Old Testament and the New Testament too, hope is the expectation of what is certain. Now, a lot of times, again, the way we use hope is kind of the idea of why I don't see any reason to put hope into this situation. In fact, everything looks like it's going wrong, yet I choose to have hope anyways. And actually, that's kind of like faith. Faith is that, where even though you're despite your circumstances, you look at it and you choose to have trust in God anyways, Hope is actually not that at all. Hope, as Christians understand it, is actually being certain or being sure and expectant of what is certain. And in fact, whenever we talk about the hope of this coming child, whenever we talk about the hope of Jesus coming again, we're not just saying, oh, we wish it would happen. What we mean by that is that the people that were waiting for Jesus Christ to be born knew it was coming, had certainty that it was coming, and they were waiting for it. Just like we have hope that Jesus is coming again, and that doesn't mean that we just, you know, wishy-washy, just hope it's going to come and curl about and just dream one day that it will happen. But we have certainty, because God said it, it is going to happen. 
Now, when I think of hope, and maybe especially in our culture, and, and if you're from another culture, another part of the world watching this, maybe it's totally different where you are, but at least my, my feeling in, a, in the United States of America, that is, is that when we use hope and we think about hope, we think of it as a choice, right? That you can choose to have hope or not to hope. And there's always some element that that's true, right? You always have some choice in, in your actions and your beliefs and your thoughts and things like that. But it may surprise you that the Bible really doesn't talk about hope happening like that. In other words, hope isn't just you choose to have hope, per se. Hope, believe it or not, as the scripture describes it, is a product. Now let that sink in for a minute. The way scripture describes hope is it is a product of God's work in your life. And how does that take place? Of course, you know, as you make that statement, it's a pretty profound one, right? And so as you think about this, our scripture today and many other scriptures like it really point to where hope comes from. In fact, you know, as I think about hope, it's almost like I would sit there and I would say, okay, I'm going to choose to be certain that God is going to do this thing. Maybe choose to it. But in fact, that's not really how it works with, with this Christian faith. Hope is actually a product and a certainty that comes from something else. So, of course, where does it come from? Now, Scripture today, Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, I just want to read it to you once again, even though we already read it earlier, but just hear it from this angle and think about this idea. Where does hope come from? It says these words, Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that sufferings produce perseverance, perseverance character, character hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into the hearts, in our hearts, that is, by his Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. I don't know if you heard that, but there's something in there that, as a modern person who doesn't like to be trivialized and first world problems all the time, I don't necessarily like to think about, but if you follow the chain of thought there, hear it again, suffering, rejoice in it, Paul says, because suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. You see, I oftentimes get that backwards. I think hope helps us get through suffering, right? Hope is almost the beginning part. It gets us through the suffering that it gives us perseverance and then character, but no, 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 that's not what Paul is saying. He's saying the suffering produces the perseverance, which produces the character, which then produces the hope. And if you stop and think about what hope means in the Bible, it's being the expectation of what is certain that makes total sense total sense in this manner, and let me explain a little more about that. You see, hope is the fruit. It's the result of a process that God is using in your and my life to bring this about in us. That, and the crazy part about this is our God is such an awesome God that he takes the bad things that happen to us that hurt and uses his, his power and how he uses his Holy Spirit in our lives, and the end product is hope. Now, as crazy as that sounds, and, and especially if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you, see, you hit there and you say, Pastor, that makes no sense. Well, think about our faith, right? What do we believe? And we believe the, the, the crucial part of our faith is that we believe that Jesus suffered on a cross and that there was an empty tomb later, right? I mean, the very essence of our faith is the fact that God takes the really, really bad things that happen in life and turns them around and uses them for something amazing and good. And so we should not be surprised likewise 
when God does this. You see, hope is a response to this because number one, if you go through suffering, whenever you go through it again, you know what? You've been there before, right? And having that experience is extremely powerful and moving forward because you know you're going to get through this. In fact, if you ever think back and maybe you had a, had a sweetheart when you were a little, you know, younger, no, don't admit it to your spouse if you had a sweetheart when you were younger, but they know, right? You know, but before they met you, right, they might have had a sweetheart. You remember that first breakup? Oh, how would I go on with life? There's no one else out there that could meet me. And, you know, like, and, and as a youth pastor, I got to experience this all the time because, you know, uh, you're constantly walking with people going through this. And it was just like, no one has ever loved each other as much as we loved each other. You know, all these like kind of things you say. And of course, you look back on it now. And as you get older, you go, right? And if you could like get in a time machine and go talk to that person, you would go, hey, you got to get through this, right? It is not that big a deal, right? Because... Ironically, even though we hate to admit it, the suffering actually produced eventually in us something to know that we can get through this. And in fact, the big problems that we have in adults are become the real problems, right? And all we look back on all those problems we had as a kid, and they oftentimes just seem so silly, right? Yet we learn and we grow because God uses this process to produce in us hope, right? And so even as a parent, I know that one day when my kids probably go through that first heartbreak, I'm going to be talking about hope to them because I know about it, right? <laughs> it wasn't just something I'm choosing to have, but through experience, it's been built into me hope that this isn't the end of the world, my son, my daughter. There is bigger fish in the sea. You're going to be just fine, right? The other thing you know is that with perseverance is that through suffering, the suffering produces perseverance because, of course, to get through the suffering, there is an idea that you have to kind of keep going and choosing, and in fact, uh, whenever you go through grief, you know, one of the hardest things is whenever you experience a big loss is to just take that next step, right? And, and you find in that process of grief, you know, time doesn't necessarily heal all wounds, but time gives you the ability to take just another little step and another little step and another little step. And not that it makes the world right, but eventually you get to the point where you can function again and go again. You persevere through it. You outlast it, if you will. And hope gets not only built because you've been there before, but because you've been there and actually gotten through it, you persevered through it, through God's power and relying on the people around you and just having the ability to take that next step. And then, of course, character. Perseverance produces character because not only when you go through something does it transform you, but God is in the midst of transforming you, right? And as much as we don't like to talk about it in the church, but God is way more concerned about your character than he is about your circumstance. And if God can use your circumstance to bring about character, God's going to do that because God's got it all taken care of on the other side of history. This is just a momentary affliction. God's going to use whatever you're going through to use it for good. He's going to transform you and your character. So you go through suffering. You've been there before. You persevere because you outlast it. You got transformed because of what God is doing to you and your character through that suffering. And the product, Paul says is hope. And you have hope. And hope is not just the wishy-washy, oh, I dream this will happen. I want to speak this into existence and may it happen. I just, please, please, this is my winning lottery ticket. No, no, no. Hope is being certain. It's the expectation of what is certain. And you know hope and you gain hope because God's taken you through this before and God has reformed your character 
and you have hope. We're going to go, if you can, it's going to go a little bit over time because I want to talk about some football real quick because I know, I know, I know, but this is where you're going. This is not going where you're going. There was a team yesterday that we all know called Alabama that this sermon was written for yesterday. I mean, I don't know if you watched this game. They were playing their rival Auburn because it's rivalry weekend, right? And Auburn played their best game of the season. I mean, just it was lights out. I got to watch kind of in the background with the kids and all that. We finally got home and from our travels and we're watching it kind of in the background and, and Auburn's just taking it to them. I mean, it's just a slugfest, but Auburn it has dominated the whole entire 59 minutes of the game, right? <laughs> I mean, it has just been all Auburn, all Auburn, and they couldn't really get the goal, the scores and all that stuff, but, you know, they're up 10 to 3, right? And they get the ball back, Auburn has the ball back, that is, and there's less than two minutes left. And I saw hope in this, what I'm talking about today, in the team Alabama, which I hate to admit, because I'm a Georgia fan, right? But like, and, and I'm so sick of Alabama winning, but unfortunately, they're the poster child for what I'm talking about here today that I got to preach and, and admonish them. But the team that had done nothing to this point, right, and they just kept going, kept going, kept slogging it out and getting beat, beat, beat up and down the field. They had hope. Now, what I mean by that is they didn't choose to have hope in the moment. They had hope because what they've been through before, right? They were a team that has constantly been down. As a Georgia fan, we had them beat and nailed to the wall one year, and all of a sudden they got this Tua Tangalova which no one knew how to pronounce, even the announcers didn't know at the time. They threw him in and he beat us. Like, I mean, we had the national championship in our grasp and they took it from us, right? They've been there time and time again where they've been beat and they just come back. They've been there. They've persevered. They've outlasted, if you will, and it's their character. And this team came out and I just watched it and I saw the defense the whole game turned on a, on a dime because Auburn had the ball. All they had to do was just run the ball, stay in bounds, and run the clock out. And, and Alabama baited them, and they let this guy run. If you just look at the play, they, they totally baited this guy. The running back runs like a sweep, is going towards the edge. The defenders don't jump on him immediately. They let him run and think that he's going to get further than he thinks he is. And he starts running, he starts getting it, but he has to kind of keep going to the edge. And one of the defenders, the one that has him, just comes up, grabs him by the back, and just yanks him, doesn't tackle him just grabs him and throws him that extra five, eight yards to get him out of bounds before his knee can touch. Saves 40 seconds on the clock because the clock doesn't stop. Eventually, so they get like a free timeout, if you will. Eventually, Auburn has to kick it. They're on like the two-yard line, and Alabama just comes out and goes, eh, been here, done that. Don't even, don't even shed a sweat, it looks like. Just goes down the field, scores. Now, to Auburn's credit, they take it to four overtimes before Alabama finally just pulls it out, but you just look at that team. I mean, you just look at their face and what they were going through. Hope wasn't something they chose to have. Hope was just who they were, right? And they never doubted for a minute that they had the capability to win the game when all hope should have been lost, if you will. But they knew who they were because they had been there. They had persevered. It was now their character. And in the moment, they didn't choose to have it. They were certain. They expected <laughs> I mean, that was a team, you look at the quarterback's eyes and the team, and I mean, they expected the outcome that came. And everybody else goes, again, right? <laughs> right? Again, right? But that's what I'm talking about, a scripture of hope. Because hope and the season of hope that we're in is not something that we just choose to have. It's something that is a product in us that God brings us about. Let us pray. Lord, as we're here today, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you so much for your presence. God, as we're here today, we want to talk and be a people of hope.
But Lord, help us to remember what hope really is. Help us to be certain. Help us to be expectant. And help us, Lord, when we have to go through those things that make that within us. Lord, we pray all this all in your name. Amen.